Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I am Tracy Hotchner, your dog's best friend and your kitty cat's best friend, bringing you authors and experts every week to enhance your appreciation of the pets who share your lives. Please give a listen to all my new Pet Talk radio shows on the Radio Pet Lady Network, co-hosted by top experts at RadioPetLady.com. Dog Talk is a production of Eight Paws LLC, which is solely responsible for its content and is brought to you with the generous support of Platinum Performance Supplements, Precious Cat Litter, Nordic Naturals Omega-3 Fish Oils, Feel Away and Adaptil, and Waruva Pet Foods. Waruva is a privately owned company named after the owner's cats, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. They are dedicated to the highest quality ingredients in their cans and pouches. People could even eat it because it's all made in a human food facility, so everything in there is good enough for us to eat. All the flavors of Waruva, Cats in the Kitchen, and their more economical BFF, Best Feline Friend Brands, are great for finicky cats, especially those you're trying to transition away from dry kibble. I have such an interesting lineup of guests today, a little kitty, a little doggy, and a little bit of a, of a movie. I'm going to have Karen Wright, who's been breeding Bombays for special needs children, Bombay kitties, and I'm, I'm dying to know how do, you, how do you do that? How do you raise a cat for special needs children? Uh, Peter McElvey has made a documentary called Le Sauvetage, which is so funny, about dogs rescuing people, i.e. we all rescue each other. It's great. Halo, purely for pets, put it together, and it's tremendous. And then Allison Denley, the, the official trainer of the show, is going to talk about puppy pooping in the house. That's a human problem, not a dog problem, and uh, we're going to straighten that out for you. So I'm going to jump right in and say hi to Karen Wright. It is so wonderful to have you here. Well, thanks for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure. Now, first of all, let's talk about Bombays as a breed of cat. Tell us a little about them. Well, I was unaware of a Bombay cat breed until about, oh, maybe five or six years ago. My son at the time was just fascinated with Bombays. We had this book called The Legacy of the Cat by Gloria Stevens, and there was a picture of a Bombay on the front, this beautiful black patent leather shiny coated fur uh, cat with these amazing new copper penny orange eyes Ooh. and my, my son was I think three at the time and he would constantly look at this beautiful cat and it opened to page 62 and 63 with the sub subtitle of the Bombay as a sleek black panther of the cat fancy and my son is autistic and he really really wanted to get this kind of cat but in the meantime we had Kita who was my cat of well I'd had her for many years and she finally uh, passed away of old age at 16 and a half in 2010 so at that time my son all along had said when can we get a new cat I said when, when Kita dies the second Kita was <laughs> died he said mommy can we get this the, the Bombay now and I, I thought well I uh, will look into it and, and I had known that Kita was ailing so I yes. had kind of done some research about this Bombay because I was unaware of it other than seeing it in this right. book, and it was right. beautiful. But how old, how was, old was your boy at the time, Karen? I think, I want to say he was either three or four. Oh, he, he was, was he tiny. Was yes. Wow. He, and you know what? Uh, sometimes kids on the autism spectrum, he's got Asperger's, high-functioning, um, have special interests, and his yes. interest, of course, one of the cats yes. was one of them, so he would just obsess over these cats and learned all about them and so mom did research and, and the bombays have are kind of like a uh, dog 
for people who don't want a dog. I mean, they, they just have this amazing temperament, more like a dog than, than, you know, some people typically think of a cat. They're very people-oriented. They're like lap fungus or Velcro lap. <laughs> Velcro is being referred to. And, you know, they'll follow you around the house, and, and they just love their people so much, and they're just, uh, they get along with everybody. My other cat, Kita, was a, a shelter cat. I have nothing, you know, I love shelter cats. Of course, cats. They're of wonderful. course. But she was just my cat. And I was the only one that really could deal with her. She would attack my husband's legs, and the kids couldn't get near her because she would claw them. And it's like, okay, you know, stay away from Kita. Right. And so I thought, well, this sounds really like a wonderful cat, and my son's so interested. He's on the spectrum. Maybe it's a good thing. Yes. So we went to a, a, a cat show. I'd never been to a cat show before up in the Twin Cities in, in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. And uh, I had corresponded with somebody, the only Bombay breeder in the Midwest, who was from Iowa, and he was going to be at this show. So I said, well, let's just go up there and, and see these cats. Because my husband and I were kind of like, well, whatever, you know, it's just right. the cats. Right. So we went up there with my son, and he's, he's little, and um, met the breeder. His name was um, Troy Weir, and he's with Yash Bombay and Cedar Rapids in Iowa. And he handed my son, who, you know, he's got a lot of anxiety because he's, he's on the autism spectrum. He sat down with that cat, and my husband and I, could not believe how he just sort of melted with this cat in his arms for 45 minutes. Wow. He just sat there and he stroked this cat, and this cat was just amazing. And we looked at each other and I said, oh, my gosh, his anxiety's just melted away. And I wrote a deposit check for a kitten right then. <laughs> Isn't that something? There are very few cats that, I mean, my rule in the cat Bible is that children shouldn't actually lift cats off the ground because most kids, you know, move quickly and it can uh, disturb the cat and the cat may scratch and try to escape. But there's very, I've never heard of a cat that will just stay in a lap, as you said, as lap fungus or Velcro for 45 minutes. So well, this I'll is an extraordinary what, quality. And the neat part is then we, we finally did get a kitten and you know how you're concerned about, oh, be gentle and stuff, but, you know, he could do anything. He could pick this, and not that he was abusing it, but, right, right. Would, you know, how kids are. Sometimes he'd pick it up by one leg or, you know, by its tail, never scratch, never bite. And I've, I've bred future or subsequent uh, kittens, and they're just, the personality of them is they're just so gentle, and they just, they're just very tolerant and, and loving. Wow. And so so I, I got involved just to, to get this cat for my son, and I was, part of the contract was that you had to, spay your your kitten and i i was ready to do that but i had shown her at a show because the the breeder said oh why don't you try just for fun so my son was like oh yeah mommy let's show a kit so we did and she did very well and the breeder says well you know she's so beautiful would you ever consider breeding bombay cats and i'm thinking well yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my husband would go for that because uh -huh. <laughs> he's just not you know never been grown having grown up with cats but um, I had her scheduled to be spayed, and he called me four days before her date to be spayed. And I said, well, I'll ask my husband, thinking, well, he'll say no, and I'll just right. keep my, my right. spay date. And he goes, well, we could think about it, because he, you know, he's a, he's a chemist, a chemistry professor, and, and he's scientific, and he saw what a difference this cat had made in my son's life. He goes, well, we could consider that. And I was like, uh, this is my husband? <laughs> like, who are you? And... So I canceled the spay, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. I'll and be darned. So I have been able to place some kittens with special needs kids because I cannot even tell you the amazing um, just relationship that the kids have developed with these kittens are now cats. In fact, uh, one woman who I placed with her daughter with special needs in uh, Washington, D.C., um, she has a note that says, uh, I'm just reading right from her, right. she says, this kitten has brought so much joy and happiness, you should see the way her daughter Emily lights up 
with him, and she has the most amazing temperament, the cat. The cat. We just love him so much, and she says, I've never seen my daughter this happy in oh, so long. And, that must and, be and, an incredible feeling because all of you parents <laughs> of kids that are on the spectrum, you have such a shared desire to find out why and then how and then managing and, and quality of life for everybody. And I, I imagine that the... the uh, the arms reach in like an octopus in, in many directions where you're all connected with each other. Have people learned of what you're doing and, and said, me yes. too, me too? Yeah, yes, actually, it has, it has been. Um, another time I was at a show and uh, a gentleman had stopped by, and I could tell that his son was probably on the autism spectrum, but of course I'm not going to say, hey, is your son autistic? Right, right. And so his dad was asking about cats and stuff, and I... And he said, well, I said, well, you know, I've been breeding these cats because my son's autistic. He goes, oh, well, my son is too. And, you know, I pretty much could have told you that. And I said, well, um, why don't you have him hold them? And his son picked that cat up. And the same reaction my husband and I had was, oh, my gosh. He says, I cannot believe this. And the boy really didn't talk, but he talked and says, me like, me like Lizzie. And Lizzie was the the cat at the time. And and it was just, his dad was just like, oh, my gosh. But. Um, his dad couldn't afford it. He, he he didn't have a job because they're they're kind of expensive. But I worked out a deal with him because I feel so strongly about, you know, the, the special needs kids and that sort of thing. And and the other woman in Washington D.C. Her child was not autistic. She was a a child who had um, developmental del- delays, but still, you know, the anxiety issues and the oh interesting the, um, communication. Um, issues, etc. So anyway, I just can't even tell you what a joy that that made from them. He um, and, and they wrote back, he says, it's truly been a great year thanks to Hershey, that's the name of the kid, in our lives. He has become loved by all family members. And he says, you know, this has been from the bottom of our hearts. He is truly a blessing from on high. May the good Lord bless you always. So he was just wow. very, very happy. With well, why do, they, why do they have to be expensive? You said, well, as you know, they're, they're quite expensive. Well, I didn't know that. But why do you have to make them expensive? Well, I tell you what, um, if you've ever bred cats, it costs a lot of money. I don't make money. Um, the Bombay is a very a rare breed. They're, they're um, a newer be- breed that was created in 1958 by a woman named Nikki Horner from Kentucky who wanted to create a black mini panther. And so she crossed a black American short hair with a sable Burmese. So you get that really loving lap fungus Burmese personality right. with this beautiful black panther look. And there are very few breeders around. I mean, you'll find it very, very hard-pressed to find some. In fact, there's um, was just the one in the Midwest. Now I'm here, and, and we work with another breeder here in the Midwest. Um, so there are very few. So that's why they're expensive. So um, how much does a kitten cost, Karen? Um, $1,000. Wow. Now, I'm not that familiar with what purebred cat costs are. The, the official <clears throat> vet of my, my radio show, excuse me, Cat Chat, Dr. Hodgkins, she uh, bred cats for a long time, and for all I know, that's what they cost, too, because there are not a lot of cats around. But given that you've discovered this amazing quality of this particular breed, which seems to be genetically hardwired for mellow, kind, uh, you know, lovingness, yes. do you try to... I realize that people don't make money breeding dogs. It's, it takes forever, and it's massive amounts of, of vet visits and so forth and inoculations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried to encourage people who have gotten Bombays from you to continue to breed as well so that there could be more of them and more of you in the community with autistic children could make them available to each other? Um, I, I, honestly, there is so much involved with, with breeding. You really have to have the facilities and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I did not realize what a huge commitment it is myself. So unless somebody's really 
like you said, almost the person has to be hardwired to be willing to do that because, I mean, there is a great emotional investment in terms of when you lose a kitten, um, if you oh. get sort of a de- disease in your, your um, cattery, which I happen to get um, a, a parasite, which could have come in from anywhere. I show, I show my cats, and, uh, I mean, it, it literally cost me thousands of dollars um, in, in vet bills, and you say, well, gosh, why do you do it then? Why didn't you just get a shelter cat? And, and I, I think there are some wonderful shelter cats, but when you breed, like for dogs, you breed for a specific temperament, you breed for a specific quality, and that's how I know exactly what I'm going to get. And like I said, I've been working closely with the folks with the special needs kids, and I usually want to kind of make it so they're affordable to them. And other people just want them, you know, for plain pets. But, right, um, but I mean, in I your case, it, it, it's really a purpose-driven breeding, which makes a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah. Tell us what does go into um, let's say somebody said, oh, this is great. You know what? I don't even have an autistic child, but my grandchild is autistic and I have time and maybe a little bit of money. And maybe I would breed these cats in order to make them available. What what does go into it? Because I don't really know. I've I've never, people criticize the cat Bible because it has no section on breeding because I don't believe that people should breed cats in general, except for right. cat fanciers. Of course they should because it's what their passion is. But in your case your passion goes to even another level. So what right. is involved if someone had to listen and go, I don't know, how bad could this be? How hard could this be? So give us an idea. Well, the concern I have is that the people say, well, I'm just going to get myself one of these Bombays and then I'll find some other cat and breed it to. Well, the problem is you've got to find another Bombay somewhere um, and they're are not very many. And you right. also, I have to pay for special genetic testing because in the back of the Burmese um, genetics. Burmese way back when were, were kind of inbred, so there's a lot of inbreeding, and so one of the things you have to look at is very closely is the genetics and what goes into the cat, because technically if you have one that's a recessive carrier of the Burmese head defect, and then you Ooh. breed it to another, Ooh. you can perpetuate this horrible thing. I don't know if you know what that is, but no. it's, a, it's, it's a, a horrible thing that if you, um, and, and, and I, like I said, I genetically test, and the breeders I work with genetically test, so we will not pass this on, but it's where if you've got two recessive genes, which is common, possible because right. like I said, it goes way back in the heritage of, of the Burmese. Um, you could have a kitten that was born with um, a head that's open. Um, oh, Karen. The eyes and mouth, there was no, be no opening, so it could, you know, obviously it'd be born and couldn't breathe, it couldn't oh swallow, couldn't do anything, it would God. die. And if you look on, you know, if you look online, you'll see these horrific pictures uh, under Burmese head defect, and oh my gosh, I would never, ever, I ever see. want anybody have to. So so there is the genetic, I mean, I see. the we send genetic um, tests from each kitten um, or the cats that you're going to breed to uh, UC Davis in California, and, and that is costly. You also work right. with someone to make sure that they have lines. And, I mean, we bought a stud from someone in California because there was nobody else that was around us that our cats weren't somehow related to. So you have to, you know, we buy this stud for $1,200, and you have to, you know, have fly it to your place. And, and I, I co-own this stud with um, two, my two other breeders that I work with in uh, Iowa and uh, St. Paul. And so you're co-owning this cat, and you have to, you know, every time you breed it, you've got to take it to the vets to make sure there's no trans, sexually transmitted diseases. Oh, really? Oh, my and God. And we actually, it, it's difficult to house. You don't want a whole male in your house necessarily That's because right. they spray. That's so right. We, ha- we found a woman who was willing to keep him because ours did not spray, thank goodness. And so we just, you know, 
he comes to our house when he needs to breed the females, for example. So you've got to have a special setup. Um, some people, the one guy I work with has three floors. So the, there's the kittens on one floor with the moms. There's the females on one floor, and maybe he's got the stud on the other floor. Wow. And like, like, like my house isn't set up to do that. Um, so, but you have um, to have that kind of management of space. Oh, yes. And, and um, the, the, um, the in, uh, I was going to say disinfection and things like that has yes. to be so careful because if you've got any number of kittens, and I only have, I only maintain two queens. I mean, there's some people that, that, that have more. I know some people have maybe up to 10 or 14, which I, I think would be crazy. You'd really, some people build special additions to on their house handle this yeah or wow. on the property or if they you know have outside runs and things and, and like i said i maintain just the two my husband limits it at two <laughs> he's a smart man so i mean it, and you buy special food because you know you want to make sure they're as healthy yes. as they, they can be because you know you can say well, why don't you just go buy the the friskies or something and i'm not saying anything's wrong with friskies but um we buy stuff that doesn't have additives we buy stuff that's going to be healthy for them um, what you know, do you feed them? Do you feed raw frozen? Uh, no, I don't. I don't do any raw. I know a lot of cat breeders might. Right. Um, in fact, if you want a therapy cat specifically, like you can You're get not allowed to, right. Certified, you cannot, yeah. So there's some limitations. Um, I, I use a brand called Royal Cannon, and that just works for me. Um, they have some special stuff formulated for like for breeding? Uh, queens and, ah. and baby kittens. And I do the, the um, canned, and I also do the, the dry and I always recommend that the people who buy them from me use the high quality because, number one, it costs more, but in the end, you don't have as big a poops because there's not the filler, and it doesn't, isn't as stinky. So in the end, I think that's worth a lot. Well, also because you, you need them all to be in optimal health to breed properly. I wish that right. the trouble that you go to to check on this recessive gene for this horrible uh, Burmese head defect, I wish the people with Cavalier King Charles Spaniels had figured that out because... The Cavaliers have these horrible brain defect, and now some Chihuahuas oh. have it, and the brain gets too big for the skull. It's it's indescribable, oh. and you know. It's, Did they know that in the past that it was a, that yes. could be an issue? See, yes, see, and then the, the and then they're just sloppily, and anyone that you know buys from a pet store is buying yeah. something that has no carefulness in the breeding. But it's just great that you're doing that. If somebody had a special needs child and is listening, how would you recommend? Um, that they get either in touch with you or how would they find a Bombay? Because really what you're describing is a cat that really acts very differently than other cats. I mean, even than a Maine Coon cat, which is huge, but this ability to just stay on your lap and be quiet and still and, you know, purr and purr is pretty special for these kids with these issues. And they follow you around the house and they, they, um, greet you at the door, and and they're just yeah, they're just like your little little dogs. Um, well, my my uh, website is is great www.greatblackbombay.com, and because I have a limited number of kittens, I also refer to the, the breeders that I trust and know, and refer to them because I mean the fact is when you have a, a cat, she might have between one and five kittens, and uh, the Burmese breed is another one that's very similar to the Bombay because they have that. At that same heritage, yes. and there are other cats that can be really good too. So I'm not just saying the Bombay and the Burmese right. are the only ones. Right. But you really need to do your research and to really research the breeder. Are they doing the genetic testing? Um, and and make sure that that um, that you can even ask them to show you the paperwork that shows that well, if that you don't carry that or have that carrier if you're if you're going to breed. Otherwise, if they're a carrier and you just spam them and somebody gets it, it's not going to get that if it doesn't have it already or something. So um, you could get one that has a recessive gene, but right that's as why long as just, it's as it's not intact. 
Yeah, that's why you don't want to willy-nilly just to, to send it to someone. Correct. I have in the contract, you must, you know, spay or neuter unless right. it's for show and that sort of Karen, thing. Karen, this is really, really, really cool, really great message for so many children are on the, the spectrum. And to know that there is a breed of cats, because it isn't just that dogs may not work at all for these kids, because dogs have so many different levels to oh, their energy and their food. interaction, and they have to be trained, and they have to go out. But they also live much less. And if you... If you feed and, and maintain a cat well, a cat can live to 20. So if you have one cat with your little kid, it can go through that person's nearly their whole life into adulthood even, which I would and think that also, that continuity would be very valuable. Shed. I was going to say the other plus is they also don't hardly shed at all. So that's another big plus. Wow. <laughs> get that in there. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for the reason that you had to get one, but it's fantastic how it's worked out so well for you yeah. and for the parents of these other children. Fantastic. Karen, thanks for spending time with us. There'll be a link to your website on the podcast of the show so people can, I'm sure many people will be super intrigued now and, and you are there to teach them and, and to guide them to, to do the right thing by their kids and, and by the kitties. Have a great day and thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'll be right back after this quick word with Allison Denley about how to, how to potty train a puppy. We'll be right back. This show has been supported by Platinum Performance since its first broadcast. Platinum Performance makes comprehensive nutritional supplements which contain nutrients designed to improve overall health at a cellular level, especially joint health and the arthritis that comes with aging. Platinum Performance makes supplements for dogs, cats, horses, and people, too. We are also supported by the pheromone products Feelaway for Cats and Adaptal for Dogs. Pheromones are chemical communicators that are a natural signal of comfort in your pet's brain. Feelaway and Adaptil plug-in diffusers are stress relievers that can help with anxiety or behavior issues and also help adopted pets make the adjustment to their new homes. Veterinarians carry Feelaway, which can reduce problems in a multi-cat household, and they have Adaptil collars, which can help dogs with anxiety from separation, thunderstorms, or travel. I am here with Allison Denley of Pause for Positive Training, the official trainer of this show, who I need to explain to me and to everybody else what I think is the right answer to this puppy potty training question, but she says it always so much better than I do. Hey, Allison, welcome back to the show. Hi, Tracy. Great to be here. All right, puppy pooping. My thought is that if your puppy poops in the house, that's a human problem, not a puppy problem. Do you think that's, I mean, that's, that's like the, the bottom line short answer. Yes, that's a cut-to-the-chase answer. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little more complicated. Yeah, of Sometimes course. Sometimes dog, dogs just don't get it, so there needs to be strict management. Um, I think that people jump to the conclusion once their dog is going outside for a couple of weeks that their dog has the idea, and then all of a sudden they have accidents in the house and think the dog is being spiteful or... Um, whatever other human emotion they want to put on the dog when, in fact, the dog just doesn't get it. And there are some that just don't get it. My sister is Brussels Griffin that was a pet store puppy against, of course, anything that you and I might ever have said to her. Um, unfortunately, when they are raised in a chicken wire floored coop, which is how puppy mill puppies are usually raised, and then they're in a pet store in a window or in a plexiglass glass, they are, pup, they are peeing and pooing where they live, which is right. completely unnatural. Right, they're their basic yes. nature, absolutely. And at that point, you, you, your problem is your basic nature has already been tweaked. But for the most part, not only do they not want to pee or poo where they sleep, but once you manage their, the, what they take in and what they put out, you manage yeah. it physically, then 
you're in control of it. It's not something that the puppy has to ha like have a light bulb moment and go, oh yeah, I remember. Because anyway, right. they're when they're young, they only have bladder and bowel control at a certain age, and then they can only go a certain amount of hours between trips outside. So this exactly. this um, email came from Diane in New Richmond, Ohio. Hoping I could give her some insight into this, she said, we're at our wits end. They bought a German Shepherd Rottweiler mixed puppy, and I did say to her, when I saw the picture of it, it looked like a pure German Shepherd, but it, it really was an, an intentional mix that someone they knew had done, and they actually bought this puppy for money, and she was six or seven weeks old at the time, which to me was a bit of a of an alarm bell because eight weeks is the age at which you're supposed to take a puppy away from the parents, right? Yeah, um, really the AKC really strongly frowns upon anything below eight weeks of age because it's that critical time period. Um, seven weeks is doable, but six is absolutely too early. So that's right, and so if people do that because... The, the people that are the new owners are too eager or the people are happy to get rid of all these puppies that are eating and pooing and peeing and needing puppy shots and so forth. Exactly. And they said she seemed to be a really smart dog. And I thought, well, what does she mean by that? And she said, well, they, she learned the standard sit down, et cetera, pretty quickly as a little tiny puppy. But, she says, we're having a heck of a time with potty training. We take her outside to do her business and she gets rewarded with a treat, but she continues to go in the house. Now, this woman didn't say a word about the fact that a young puppy needs to be crated or at least seriously confined anytime not under the total supervision of the people. So she says, we find piles behind furniture or down in the laundry. So Ah, so that's key right there. The dog is trying yes, to be a clean yes, dog and move yes. as far away from the living area well as said. the dog can without really understanding it needs to only go outside which the dog now doesn't understand at all and the people don't understand that they haven't explained that to the dog because they say she goes outside and sits does nothing comes inside and relieves herself right in front of us now my advice would be that the puppy needs all puppies not just this puppy to help them to understand the concept needs to be crated in the house in a room where everybody else is not crated off in like a dark corner and you either take on a little leash or carry outside the puppy to the same place every time and then she will automatically go because she's been in a place where she couldn't go and then she gets treated and rewarded and back in the house to only have free reign as long as people are right around her watching her and then out again to that same potty place before putting her back in the crate is that about sure, but, your you know, formula the funny thing is i never reward with food for doing business oh explain that to me I've met too many dogs that think they're getting rewarded for going because, of course, you're uh -oh. out there, and especially the weather we've had, it's been feeling uh -oh. like it's 10 below, and everybody makes a big deal. Good dog, good dog, yay, puppy, here's a cookie. Now the dog associates doing its business as being a really good thing and getting a cookie. Uh-oh, I can hear where you're going with this. I never thought of it. So some dogs connect the dots that, hey, when I do business, I get a cookie. <laughs> so they're walking along and say, you know, I really feel like that cookie now. Hey, look at what I just did. And now you're oh my the screaming God. lunatic, and the dog is totally confused. Wait a minute. This was a great thing yesterday. Oh. Why are you mad at me today? Oh. I don't understand. Oh, that's then so the funny but so sad because inconsistency and lack of giving the same clear message can right. make dogs nuts, just like it could children, human children. 
Absolutely. And I think for the dog, the reward is, whew, I feel better. And right. the further reward is, now that the dog has done its business, now it's allowed freedom yes. in the house. Yes. And we'll play a little bit. Absolutely. You play, you train, you interact, you cuddle. Yes. Um, but if people take the dog outside, and I always, I, I actually give my clients a schedule to write down when and where the dog does its business. Because when you're housebreaking a puppy, one day goes into the next. You can't remember if the dog goes 2 o'clock yesterday, 2 o'clock right. today. Right, And it's generally the, the times of accidents for most people are either when you're getting ready to leave for work, right when you arrive home from work, or when the kids arrive home from school, the energy in the house changes, the dog gets all excited. Yes. The focus is not on the dog. And now they've, they're all excited, so they've got to go, but nobody's paying attention. Yes. Or if people have young children and they're trying to get baths and ready for bed, that's usually the other time accidents occur. So we so, could easily say in terms of the time when you're rushing around preparing breakfast for six people or making dinner or kids are just coming home, that's the time to be in the crate with a nice deer antler to chew on. That's exactly. a time where you, you so there's a line you often say that I, I like to always remind myself of because it's such a, it's so much your philosophy and one that I wish people would just put into their into their iPhone so they can read it. Set the dog up for success. Don't yes. set the dog up for failure. You know, and, and another thing I'm noticing, or maybe I had an epiphany lately, dogs and humans are reactive. When everything is fine, you know, we just kind of go along with the flow. Yes, um, but it's when something occurs that we're, ah, then we're on it. Yeah. But if, if we as humans could be proactive right. in knowing, hey, the kids come home from school every day at 3.20, let me get the dog out to do its business at 3.10. Yes. Then you can avoid the accident that will always occur at 3.30, 3.40. So it's just being proactive and really setting the dog up to succeed, so you've already covered all the parameters. You've made it almost impossible for the dog to fail. I find that another thing that's really important, that having taught this to all my dogs, either when I first adopted them, because most of them are rescued wimes and are six months-ish old when they get dumped by the people that bought them without thinking of the consequences of what the next 15 years were going to be like, or right. even Jazzy, who came from Southampton Shelter, which, as we all know, is the official shelter of the show when she was two, is to teach their bodily functions to be on a schedule. And the schedule doesn't right. exactly have to be 320, but it has to be feed breakfast and go out for a walk. Feed lunch slash dinner, whichever time you do that, and immediately go out for a walk. And to this but day... that's very key. Your word saying go out for a walk means... The owner has That's to right. take the dog yes. on leash yes. to a specific spot and and actually see that the dog went. Yep. Opening the door well, and letting the dog out in the yard well said. for a half an hour, it doesn't mean the dog went. Well, in fact, one of the things that Diane says in her in her email is we've tried keeping her in a crate and then putting her outside. Same thing happens. She sits out there and comes inside to poop or pee. Then she says, any ideas? My husband is about ready to put an ad in the paper. God, I hate when we hear that. I need to stop this before it gets out of hand. Can you help us? Well, it already is out of hand because they don't understand the basics. 
which is that if you set the dog up for success by filling it with food and water and then physically taking it out to empty it out the other end, so to speak, you've taught the dog's body what to do. It'll be second nature. To this day with my ancient 13-year-old, he eats dinner and the, and he barely has finished licking his lips. He takes himself outside, of course, at this age and, right. and, and empties his, his the contents of what's in there because his body's been taught to do that. Exactly. And the other thing about the crate that I think is confusing to people is people say, well, the puppy whines or cries in there. But of course, you can make the crate a much more positive place. I've, I've done a bunch of blogs about it recently, and I don't know if, if you guys listening are aware that I have this blog that has a little of this and a little of that. But making the crate a positive place, not just a, a gloomy, dark place that the dog gets stuck into and the door shut. Talk a little bit about making the crate a really positive place that a dog actually seeks out for a, a comfortable den space. Well, you know, especially when, when first housebreaking a puppy or even bringing in um, a, a rescue dog, you kind of have to treat that dog, the six-month-old dog. You don't know if that dog is housebroken. So to su- set it up to succeed, you kind of have to treat it like it is not until you know that it is. Yes. So here's, so, a que- that, here's a question I have for you. Um, so I have this new, new to me, but she's eight-month-old, Blue Weimer on her puppy, eight months old, kind of the age that Teddy was when you found him for me in a very sad situation. He was seven months old. And she comes, quote-unquote, housebroken. But I am fearful of just teaching her the dog door or opening a door for this very reason, because I don't know what somebody else means by housebroken. So do right. I in the first... And tell me how long, even though my property is fenced, it's pretty big property and it's, you know, it's not easy to always check the whole perimeter. Can I take her out on a leash, make sure she's gone, pat her, praise her, and then take her off the leash and let her dash about? What do you say well, about the whole I, issue I, of, of new dogs maybe running away, even if there's fencing? Well, yes, it's, it's the new dog running away, number one, an eight-month-old dog is still, you don't know what kind of training she had. She's still full of vim and vigor when she gets out there. She's chasing the leaves that are falling, chewing the sticks, eating acorns, whatever she's doing. Um, So you do want to take her out on leash, ensure that she's actually done her business. And then what I do is I bring the dog back in the house after they've eliminated. Then I say, do you want to play? Then I remove the leash and let the dog go. I've, I see too often people putting together at this during the same time potty and playtime. Well, right. there are sometimes your schedule just right. doesn't allow for that. So you always want to make the habit of go out, eliminate, and come right back in. Because there will be those times when you then go into your crate or just have to go lie on your bed. Exactly, because you may you may have a doctor's appointment or some kind of appointment you have to leave the house for and you're not going to go off and leave your dog in the backyard. So if dogs are rote learners, if the rote is always go at, wake up, go out, eliminate, come back in, eat. And I like to feed the dogs in the crates because dogs generally tend not to want to do their business where they eat and sleep. Right. And also After it makes the, the crate a positive association. Absolutely. It's, it's very existence depends on it going in that crate to yes. survive. So that's a happy thing. Anytime I bring home new toys, I don't give them straight to the dog. I, when the dog isn't watching, I put them in the crate. I love and, it. Oh, kind of like Christmas morning. Woo-hoo. Nice. Look at that. They discover Great. a new toy or a new bone in the crate. 
That's a great idea. Yeah, because otherwise, what's the point? You just drop it on the floor, just hand it, and they didn't, there was no discovery. It wasn't a reward for anything, and it wasn't, mm -hmm. there's no positive association, particularly. Absolutely. And the big thing is, I've met a lot of people that will throw a cookie in the crate. The dog runs in the crate after the cookie, and then they slam the dog door behind Ooh. the dog. Uh, to me, that's trickery. That's not yes, training. yes. And I think some, most dogs figure out really quickly. Nah, you know, you can keep that treat. I'm not going in there after <laughs> it. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you know, that's so, a really good point. Is it yeah. has to be a fair communication? Absolutely. So you teach the dog crate or kennel up or whatever your command is. The dog goes in. They get a treat. Then you invite them right back out again. Right. And you do that five or six times throughout the day when you're not going to close the door and then you step it up to the dog goes in the crate you have them sit you close the door and then you give the treat then you open the door have the dog wait and then invite them out so then the picture becomes I have to go in my crate and sit the door closes I get my treat because now in real life if you're really going to close the door dog right in, you're going to close the door give the dog a treat and go to work yeah. Or yeah. go out. Right. Or get to um, or get or get busy on the email or telephone, in which case it, you can't be watching the dog every minute and therefore the dog really needs to be contained in the crate exactly. to set them up for success. Exactly. What is that rule? I have it in one of the blogs and I shouldn't put you on the spot, but maybe you know it by heart, that the number of hours that a puppy can one stay one hour for every month of life while sleeping. One hour for every month of life while sleeping. So um so a 12-week-old puppy that's three months old could really only stay in there for three hours. So you Correct. could expect to be awakened after three hours. Correct. And if you're not, you got the puppy that sleeps through the night. Right. But it's really key to remove the water. Um, I always allow dogs fresh water when they're loose in the house throughout the day. I don't put water in the crate because if the dog is drinking while it's in the crate, good chances are it's going to have to come out. Right. And it also just usually spills it and makes it right. mess. Right, they step in it and then it's a big yeah. mess. So while I'm feeding the dog in the crate, I'm not putting the water in there. When the dog comes out, they can drink when they're out with me. And usually housebreaking a puppy, rule of thumb, two hours in the crate, one hour out. Two hours in, one hour out. The caveat to that is the dog is taken outside on leash Yes. immediately before... Um, I'm going to put the dog in the crate and immediately upon taking the dog out of the crate. And it works. It it's, does. it's just that you have to be consistent and you can't have other people in the household that don't know this rule. Because That's if everyone key. does it, you will never have a pee, pee in the house. Well, and this is what I say to people. <clears throat> Picture yourself back in elementary school and you're learning math for the first time. You have five different teachers teaching you five right. different ways to add and subtract. <clears throat> right. Oh my gosh, how long is it going to take you to actually learn that? You're going to be just a disaster. You're never passing sure. the SAT. That's it's just it. not going to happen. So it's, it, you know, every everything is easy <clears throat> once you know how. So it's it's making it easy for the dog to learn, hey, okay, this is great. Now, if you take the dog out, it, say the dog you've been out and the dog has been in its crate for some time. You take the puppy out and it's all excited to see you and... Uh, smelling the grass and chasing the leaves and you're out there five minutes and oh, the dog hasn't done anything. Well, you don't bring the dog back in the house and take it off leash. 
You bring the dog back in the house, put it back in the crate for another 10, 20 minutes, and then take it out again until you're successful. Right. Or you leave the puppy on leash, holding the leash with you, not taking your eyes off that dog. Reason being? Reason being that the puppy was too excited, there was too much stimulation, it was more concerned with greeting you and saying hello than doing business. Right. He comes back in the house, and now he's calmed down a little, and up, oh, got to go to the bathroom, and whoop, you get a present on the floor. Yep. So, so th- that moment of peeing can have verbal praise or a stroke or a pat, but don't make it into like Mardi Gras. Just good Absolutely. dog, well done. Go in the house, then hand them the good toy they love or even a treat if you ask them to sit or go to their bed and then release them. That's it, because what I like to teach my own do- dogs is, my code word is, get busy, they run out, they do their business, they c- c- come flying back in because in the house is right. where they get the reward Right. after they've done their business. So I teach run out, get busy quick, come back in the house. And then they're, they're free to leave again or whatever's going right. to happen next. And I, you know, if I have time to let them run and play out in the yard, then I can say, okay, everybody, outside, and then they go play. Fantastic. Allison, this is so helpful to, to Diane in, in Ohio, but, of course, to me and to anybody else who has a dog who hasn't quite gotten it right. You can even have a six-year-old dog. You can start this with a six-year-old dog and get it right. You just have Tracy, to have... The, the oldest dog I was called in to train was a 13-year-old beagle that was a hunting dog. Wow. And that dog learned how to ring a bell to tell the folks he had to go out and do business. So if any of you has a problem and don't think with all this chat it'll help you, Allison is paused for positive training right here on Long Island, and she goes from Montauk to Manhattan. So feel free to get in touch with her. Send an email to radiopetlady at gmail.com, and I will introduce you. Allison, thanks as always for your great um, insight and advice and making this a lot simpler than it sometimes seems to be. Have a great day. Thank you always so a much. Pleasure. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Support for Dog Talk comes from Precious Cat Litter, which is privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who is dedicated to creating litters to appeal to pussy cats and protect their health. All the Precious Cat Litters are low dust for the health of all members of the household. Touch of the Outdoors is their newest litter made from field grass that provides environmental enrichment for indoor cats and entices them into the litter box with the natural scent of the great outdoors. Support for this show also comes from Nordic Naturals, omega-3 fish oil products that provide dogs and cats with the same premium quality omega-3 fish oils as for people. Research shows that even the best diets are deficient in the essential fatty acids found in omega-3 oils. Nordic Naturals uses responsibly sourced healthy wild fish and uses third-party testing to guarantee purity and freshness in all their oils. I am back with Peter McElevy and this, well, I thought it was a documentary, but I don't know what it is. It's a whole new niche of film. It's called Le Sauvetage, and it is so delicious, delightful, hilarious, surprising. Peter, welcome to Dog Talk. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Well, this is, must have been some strange uh, kind of other world you walked into when you found out that Halo, the dog food company, wanted to fund a film and i don't understand why is it in french with french subtitles because it makes it a thousand times funnier that must be why but did you do the film and then went to halo or they came to you because you are a filmmaker yes yes i am i uh i i'm a composer songwriter is uh my sort of main gig i've been doing for many years 
And uh, over the last maybe five years, I've been transitioning into filmmaking. And uh, I actually talked about the concept with Steve before I made the film. Uh, Steve, Steve Martin Halo. being Steve Martin being the CEO of Halo Purely for Pets. And yeah, you talked to him because because he was looking for a filmmaker to make a film that showed the human animal bond and how shelter pets and people save each other. Well, no, no, not exactly. No. Someone, a mutual business associate had sort of introduced us because Steve, uh, you know, he does really cool and interesting things. He does you know, to get the word out about dogs and. And somebody had said to him, oh, I know this filmmaker you should meet, and maybe you guys can do something. Oh, so, I'll be darned. Yeah, so we talked, and it was one of those sort of surreal situations where it, just, it, it all seemed to come together so easily. And, yes, yeah, Steve was just very open to whatever ideas I had, and he said, you know, pitch me something something fun that, you know, you, know, you, you think would be cool. So... I said, how about a French romantic comedy? Uh, <laughs> and we'll use the latte dogs. And I, I, to be honest, I thought, okay, there's, there's no way he's going to go for this. Right. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go for it. As off the I'm wall as you I could. Yeah, and as off the wall as you could possibly be. I mean, here's a guy who's the CEO of a pet food company saying, I want to do something cool about dogs, and you're pitching a French, in French, romantic comedy with the latte dogs, which I didn't know who they were before, but I want all of them personally. <laughs> so you, you pitched this to him thinking, you know, what the heck? Yeah, I, I figured, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that, you know, like, okay, I have to do this or not. I was kind of busy working on some stuff for ABC. And, and I, but he, he had said, you know, I'm, I'm, I really want to hear your idea. And I thought, wow, this, this is actually cool. And coincidentally, my very good friend and, and uh, business associate uh, had started managing and booking the latte dogs. Now tell so, us who they are because they apparently some of them are rescues, but they all look like French poodles without the French poodle cut. They all <laughs> look like traditional miniature French poodles. Yeah, you know the the latte dogs are. I think there's about twenty one of them, and they're all trained by Richard Olatte. And they won America's Got Talent in 2012. Right, right. And then they had a, a Las Vegas show, which I think ran for several months. And uh, like I said, my friend started managing and booking them. So it was just really this coincidence when Steve had said, hey, let's do a project together. And I said, well, gosh, my I happen to know the Olatte dogs. <laughs> and that was like a big deal to know the Olatte dogs. You were on the inside track. Well, and, and my friend who's managing, managing them really wanted to meet Steve, too. So they, I, I introduced them, and you know, now they're working together. And so as kind of a favor to me, they said, yeah, we'd be happy to oh, I see. short, which was so lucky. I mean, these kind of things, you know. Without so those dogs, I mean, I don't, it, because they're so well-trained and so, like, I don't know, they just fit the film you wrote around them. So just so everyone understands, it, this is something that, it, this is, you know, it just got got released just now at the beginning of April, right, Peter? So can I can put a link where with the podcast so people can see it. The intention is for everyone to be able to see it, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is so amazing. I really don't know how to describe it, but I go to art theaters, uh, art film theaters, and I love foreign films, and I looked at all, you know, the, the foreign film shorts that they showed at the local independent theater in Williamstown, Mass., before the Oscars. And your film looks, smells, and tastes just like those movies. And it's so cool because it's all, you know, voiceover in French or actually spoken in French with the subtitles. 
But suddenly these little French poodles arrive and they're talking about the humans and whether they should adopt one and whether humans take a lot of time and trouble. But that one over there looks lonely. It is yeah. so adorable. Right from the very beginning, you just put us on our ear, Peter, with just thinking of things the other way. And then exactly. these dogs do backflips and they walk upright with their hands, their paws on each other's back. And who are the two actors? They're, they look like out of a French film right in Paris, well, France. Yes, the dogs are amazing with the flips. And, and I, I wanted to make sure that I, it was not just a dog trick movie. So I, right. I tried to really think of appropriate places to put the, the dog tricks. So, you know, it, it was to cheer up the human. And yeah. the best was when they said, Oh my God, it's so funny. I shouldn't give this away, but you, when you guys see it, you'll just see it's the pleasure isn't in me giving away or not. It's just in the seeing of it. And the two dogs go, do you think we should get another one to keep them company? It's all the things we say about our dogs, you know, that right, we've rescued right. or whatever. <laughs> and he goes, I don't know this one. I'm exhausted from having this one because they're doing backflips for him and trying to keep them happy and cheer them up. It's such a funny, you know, other side of the mirror kind of thing. And yeah. then the guy says, one of the dogs says, well, I don't know. He's good with us. You think he'll be aggressive with other humans? It's right, so right, cute. Right. It's all the things that we ask. And it's as absurd coming from a dog about us as it is from us about a dog, right? Yeah. All dogs need love. All people need dogs. It's so marvelous. And so you had a budget. And it. I looked at the, the, the credits on the end. You didn't shoot it in Paris, but it sure looked like it. You did it on a set. That's right. We we shot at uh, Manhattan Beach Studios, which is here in Los Angeles. It's a it's an incredible place. There, James Cameron is working on Avatar two. Oh there. my goodness! They did Ally McBeal and wow. Captain America, The Avengers. It's a it's a really really great uh, studio. And I just happened to get lucky. I I know somebody whose offices are there, and they you know they worked with my budget, and they were they were very nice. cool. So we, we shot nice. the, all the outdoor stuff. Um, is shot there at Manhattan Beach Studios. And the reason I had to do that is because it's very hard to get the permitting and also with dogs in Los Angeles, they're, they're, it's hard to find a, a park where they'll let you right. dog or outdoor spaces to shoot. So it was, uh, you know, we ended, up, we ended up shooting there. And the Paris shots we, you know, we use through the miracle of stock footage. You can yes. get a, yes. some beautiful shots of Paris. Uh, for some wide shots. And why did you decide to do it in French with subtitles, just to make it even more tongue-in-cheek? Just tongue-in-cheek. You know, I, I'm, I keep trying to remember exactly what, what gave me the idea. Uh, one of my favorite films of all times is Amelie. I just yes. love Yes, It's so quirky, and she's just so likable, and, and just, the film is, just has this sort of simple elegance, and I thought, wow, if I could capture that... You did. Dogs. You totally did, so especially with the girl at the beginning. Now that you bring it up, it sort of is reminiscent of Emily because she doesn't speak and she's kind of a withdrawn girl until, of course, the dogs bring them together. You right. absolutely did capture that in the most amazing way. And it's just such a delightful synergy of art. And I won't say quite commerce, art and philosophy, because the philosophy of Halo is, you know, shelter pets, get your pet from a shelter. Shelter pets deserve great food. We give away millions of tons of food through freekibble.com to, to dogs and cats in shelters. And that's a, a kind of a complex concept to get across. You know, it's like, get your pets at a shelter and we, t we care about them too. And, 
And th this film really just, the, 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 the phrase human-animal bond has become a bit trite. But I think that the, the little crawl at the end of the film that says that it's a celebration of all the people that work in shelters to, to keep those dogs and cats safe and find them new homes. And it says it's the, about the indescribable bond between people and pets. And I think that's a really great adjective. It is indescribable. And you see that film and you just get so much belly laugh joy at your idea of having these two dogs discuss whether or not to adopt this lonely human and how much yeah. trouble he'll be. And they're so exhausted by, by amusing their human. And I, I just, Peter, it's, it's just great. Do you have a dog of your own or cat? I currently do not have a dog. Uh, I have two kids two, who are... Oh, young, you have the human kind. Yeah, those, are, they're, they're, those, those take a lot of time. That's right. And, well, when they were very young, we had a beautiful uh, shepherd mix from, that we got from a rescue uh, she's no longer with us, but uh, now the kids are getting old enough where we're thinking about maybe, you know, they, they're at that age. They want a, they want a pet. I'm, yeah. a, I'm allergic to cats. I love cats, but I'm allergic to them. So it's, we're just kind of trying to figure out what the, what the best dog would be for our situation. Well, tell us a little bit more about the Olate dogs. I was thinking maybe if them, one of them would retire because they're poodles, so they don't shed. So that so much less um, allergenic for you. Are these Olate dogs, um, we might as well give a plug for your friend who put them in your movie as a, as a favor and is booking them. I mean, they had a show in Vegas. I'm now remembering this, these, these trick dogs that did amazing things. Um, where, where do they appear? Any place where, where he or she can book them, right? That's right. They they are like the hardest working family. It's it's Richard is the trainer who his story is incredible. He he's from he's Chilean and he grew up, you know, just working very hard, uh, training sort of stray dogs that he would find, and you know I think eventually was in the circus with the dogs. Has met his wife, um, and he's just amazing with the dogs. He's the sweetest like gentlest guy and all of the dogs just adore him they it's it's unbelievable to watch because th their eyes just follow him wherever he goes they just love him and they want to do whatever he asks them to do and it's it's really really sweet and they're very docile um dogs yeah i after meeting them i thought wow if i could get one of these a lot yeah of dogs, they're really cool but my, they really are. And my guess is that they're that chilled out because they have a job. You know, all most dogs need something to do, and so few we, we provide it to so few of them. And those dogs obviously are so kind of centered, balanced, all these phrases that are used about well-behaved or well, you know, sort of centered dogs because they have a job. And right then in the movie, their job was to sit next to each other and turn their head to the left while they're talking and turn their head to the right and cross the street as asked and do a, and do a backflip or lie on their tummy I think that, that a lot of it probably is that, that the training, yeah. which really is only encouraging them to do things that they can do naturally. Because in, from time immemorial, circuses always had poodles. Poodles were always, I remember back in the Ringham Brothers and Barnum Bailey when I was a kid in, in New York and Madison Square Garden. They always had like 25 poodles that would come careening out and they would get on the back of elephants or horses or people and do a thousand things and clearly had nothing but joy in doing it. So yeah. I, I, the little that we see of them in the movie in terms of the full range of their abilities really does, um, does inspire you to at least teach your dog a few tricks, right? Yes, yes. And, I mean, yeah, they were so easy to work with. And there's, there's one trick in there that I don't know if you remember, but the, 
the little the little dog playing the wife had to run with a like a necklace yes charm at the end yes run down the street and drop the thing and of course i didn't really think about you know is can the dog do that i don't know i just wrote it and then i didn't really have time to plan much with them we just we're just going to wing it they showed up and as i was asking him to have the dog do that it occurred to me oh my gosh how in the world is he going to get the dog to do this and he kind of looked at me uh thinking and i could tell he was thinking wow i'm not sure about this but he took took the necklace and you know worked with the dog for about 30 seconds sure enough the dog did it he got it to, to do it and it was just amazing so they have a communication he has a way of communicating to them i want you to pick up this thing release this thing throw this thing yeah. shake this it, thing it's pretty it was it's, amazing how yeah. long did it take you to shoot the 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 film which is what does it run four minutes it's it's about five minutes how long did yeah, it take it, you to, to make it? I it mean, not took, to finish it, but to shoot it. The shooting we shot for two days. We had one day at Manhattan Beach Studios on the outdoor set, um, and then one day at a sound stage at a place called the Act- Action Factory, um, where we built the the room. The it's great looking. His, yeah, his apartment. And by the way, you had asked me earlier who the actors were, and I, yes. I want to make sure I say that. Yes, please. The the male actor who plays um, who plays the husband or the the guy who gets rescued. Yes. His, his name is Nick Olate. And he's no. the son of the trainer. And he's also part of the act. So I'll when be they darned. Perform, yeah, that when they perform, the dad is the main trainer, but Nick is very much a part of the, the act, and he travels. It's, it's you were so Nick. lucky, because he looks like what could be, uh, you know, a writer in Paris, a depressed writer in Paris, having yeah, a coffee. perfect. That's and so funny. I hadn't even met him, but... My friend, the manager, said, oh, you know, Nick wants to get into acting, and he's very talented. Oh, and my said, goodness. Okay, Everybody got to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah, what about and the lovely girl? The lovely girl, Tate Ashley, who everyone just seems to, to love also, she she was through a casting service called L.A. Casting. and uh, She's great. I mean, she looks like she could be in a French movie. Well, yeah. you made her look that way anyway. You did an incredible job with it, Peter. I hope that that you get offered all kinds of fantastic other opportunities to work with animals and people and bring them together the way you did so charmingly. And I hope that, that you do find a great animal for your family. Thank you. You deserve it. You've done, you've done such a, a great favor. And Halo has done an incredible thing to, to think this far out of the box and say, make a really cool movie that just celebrates what can what the good that can come from from rescuing and giving a home and, and putting your heart out there and, yeah. and and you did it in such an original and charming way i really enjoyed it i can't wait for everyone to see it it's just swell thank you so much peter thank you Tracy. take care have a good day okay you too thank you all for listening it was wonderful being here with you kiss your kitties and hug your pooches we will talk again next week bye for now 